Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Yes, sir. Welcome back after an extended holiday vacation. The Asylum Fantasy Sports Show is back on the Arena Sports Network. We are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome back to the Asylum. And yeah, extended vacation. We both had to flu from <laughs> Christmas to like New Year's. Oh, just nasty yeah. one, oh. dude. Just a, a, a horrible, horrible flu. The, the worst I've ever had. That was terrible. But anyway, that's all in the, in the past. Happy New Year. It's 2017. We are right in the middle of the NFL playoffs. Hockey's heating up. College basketball is really starting to go. We've got a lot of things to talk about. And uh, I tell you what, Rick, it, the first round, the, you know, the wild card round uh, of the NFL was kind of ho-hum. Yeah, as expected, but uh, yeah. terrible. Not, yeah. not a single game. Not a single game worth watching. No, it really wasn't. But um, I think it's going to be a different story this week. Yeah, yeah, this week's going to be a little bit exciting. I think maybe that's – we'll start the show, Rick, and we'll just go ahead and preview all those games. But before we do that, Rick, I got to – how was Rick Briggs' holiday? I know we're two weeks past for everybody else, but we haven't been working. So, well, was, it, was it a magical time for you, Rick? Well, I mean, it came and it went. And, <laughs> you know, it was uh, – we're into 2017 now. So just hoping it'll be better. I'm looking for a much better year than 2016. Could be any worse, right? I wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously it can be worse. I look around and, uh, you know, and I lament to you about certain things. But, you know, in all reality, you look around, you see a lot of other people a lot worse off than you are. So there's no use being down about anything. Yeah, but to heck with them. You still want to be better off than you are now. There's well, of other course people, you do. That's what you strive to do. Kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> now, I've got to say, before we get into the show, I already, already, Rick, had my favorite moment of 2017. And it happened early on January 1st. So let me paint you a picture. Okay. Several months ago, I think back over the summer, I switched over from cable to direct TV. Got the Sunday ticket, feeling good, loving it. Well, here's something I didn't realize with direct TV is apparently they're always fighting with all these different networks about how much they're going to be willing to pay, especially since AT&T bought them. Right. So I'm sitting here on New Year's Eve. Yeah, getting ready, football games coming up, watching the ball drop, that awful show with Mariah Carey doing her nonsense. You probably didn't even see that, Rick. I oh, I didn't see up. it. I saw the late, you know, the next day, of course. So I'm watching ABC, who's going to be covering a lot of sports coming up over the next several days. Right at the stroke of midnight, the ball hits, the 2017 lights up, and a thing flashes up on my screen that DirecTV's contract with the company that <laughs> my local channel for, they no longer have, they, their agreement expired, and I don't have it anymore. <laughs> Son of a gun, that stinks. Well, I'm going to flip over to NBC. Yeah, I got to make sure that's all right, because we right. got a playoff game on there tomorrow. Yeah. See, right? So I flip over to that. What do you think, Rick? No. <laughs> Zippy NBC. They've taken two networks away. So it's midnight on New Year's Eve, so you can imagine my state of mind. If you want to, I'm inebriated, here, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Drunk as a rat is what I am. Okay, <clears throat> so I hop on there. You know, I'm here's how I'm going to save the world. Like every dummy millennial in the world, I'm going to get on there and I get on Twitter, and I'm sending them the direct message, just grilling them, giving them the business. Nothing. Of course. I see them responding to people all over the place, and they'll tell you, DM us your concern. So Hold on. Don't scoop me. Don't <laughs> okay, scoop okay. me. You boo. All right. Okay, all right. All right. So I then know. I wake up, 
the morning of New Year's Eve feeling like most Americans do the morning of New Year's Day, right? Uh, I wake up feeling that way. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to check this again. They haven't responded to me. So I give my nasty another message about how bad their customer service stinks and how bad you know I can't stand you and I'm going to switch to cable. The least you could do is respond to me and tell me to go to hell. You know, I'm a I'm a soldier for this one, Rick. I am taking it on. I am going to bring this big AT&T DirecTV conglomerate to their knees. So I'm waiting and finally I see something flash up in the DM and I'm thinking, "By God, I finally got their got their attention." Now, before we go on with the story, old asylumites are going to remember this story, but any new listeners here on the Arena Sports Network, i got to, remind, I got to tell you a real quick story. I won't give you all the details, but we were having a fantasy football discussion on the old show. Somebody on Twitter, or a listener, didn't like it. Messages Rick tells him, not only do I disagree on Twitter, not only do I disagree with this point, I unfollow you, GFY. <laughs> Truth, swear right hand to God, Rick. What did you think GFY meant? Now, everybody knows what GFY on Twitter means. What do you think it meant? Good for you. Good for you. So, Rick calls me and asks me, why would this guy say good for you and then unfollow us? I don't understand. We did two, three shows on this probably. So, back to, to, back to present day. So, I'm on there. I am grilling. I know it's going to go nowhere, but I'm drunk, then I'm hungover, and I'm just mad. And it's nice to have that outlet. And I just want somebody to respond so I can tell them to F off. That's all I wanted to do. So I send the second message. It's a good one, too. I put a lot of heart, a lot of passion in it. I'm using, like, legalese, you know. I'm letting them have it. I'm letting them know I mean business. And I see the little dots floating, you know, when somebody's typing something. (laughs) Nice, I got this dummy's attention. And it says, and I quote, from my account now, this isn't a response from DirecTV, says, why are you messaging us? So, come to find out, Rick Briggs is seeing these messages, is so old and dumb that he doesn't realize this is me sending these out, wants to know why DirecTV's hassling him. I had to just delete it. I just deleted the message because everything I had said was completely invalidated because Clown Shoes over here wants to know why DirecTV's hassling him. I didn't him. see any of the other messages. I just saw the first one. I just saw that blubbity blue i didn't know there's a whole mess of other messages i just saw that i'm sitting there thinking yeah what's this about this is stupid just i mean yeah just another bozo trying to get our attention just and, ruined it yeah i was so proud of those i just deleted the whole conversation and i just took it i got my stations back luckily but just completely ruined well, it good for, for you so, <laughs> gfy yeah so so here's how 2017 starts for me another reason uh. why octogenarians shouldn't be on social media pure and simple all right i feel wow. better i've been holding on to that for two weeks rick i that's why i really wanted to do the show last week was, was the i was stewing over this but luckily it dawned on me here again this afternoon all right divisional round i already wasted 15 minutes of this segment i don't want to talk about it anymore all right we can just move <laughs> on why are you bothering us yeah well, why do you care all right let's just take these games in order rick saturday afternoon seahawks at falcon this is what i'm really looking forward to Falcons are a uh, you know five point favorite at home. I like I like uh, Atlanta. Just getting Seattle away from home, I think, makes all the difference in the world. You know, Thomas Rawls, they've got to stop him, but um, the Falcons have to jump early and, and and get Seattle out of their game plan because you know 
it doesn't want to be a shooting match, I don't believe. They want to rumble and play the Seattle game. Right. And But I, I'm going uh, Atlanta in a close game. Yeah, I, I, the X factor here is Thomas Rawl because – and we'll, we'll talk plenty in this conversation about Atlanta's offense. We're not breaking any news here. But let, let, let's start with Seattle's running game against Atlanta. Atlanta's not very good against the run. They're not very good defensively in general. You know, Thomas Rawls, and this will be an interesting fantasy conversation as the offseason wears on when we get towards the summer on what in the world you do with Thomas Rawls. Thomas Rawls goes out there last week 27 for a buck 60 and a touchdown. And quite frankly, watching that game, I'm surprised that's all the higher those numbers were. That's how dominant he looked. Right. He looked like Marshawn Lynch out there. I'm not comparing him to Marshawn Lynch, but for that game, he looked like Marshawn Lynch in a playoff game. If he can go to Atlanta and do that again, this is going to be tough for the Falcons because he could take that game over. Because I, like you, Rick, think Atlanta's going to win this game. And it, it boils down to me the inconsistency of Russell Wilson overall as far as the season goes, but especially on the road. Save for that New England game, which it, it's a big one to throw out. You know, that's a spicy meatball right there. That's one you hang right. your season on. But if you throw that game out, that team's been downright bad on the road this year. And Russell Wilson, I'm, he is as likely to go out and throw for 87 yards, no touchdowns and two picks, as he is to go throw for 400 four touchdowns and no, but you don't know what you're going to get out of this cat. So with that inconsistency, the way Matt Ryan's playing, Julio Jones finally being healthy, the two running backs and what they bring to that offense, if this turns into Seattle having to keep up with Atlanta to agree, now Atlanta ain't going to go up there and put up 35 or 40. That's not going to happen. But if they have to try to keep up and even play in the high 20s or into the 30s, I don't think Seattle on the road can do this. But everything, and this is why I hesitate, everything I think hinges on what Thomas Rawls does. If Thomas Rawls at the end of this game has a stat line 27 for a buck 60 and a touchdown, Seattle wins. Seattle wins that game. <coughs> However, I don't see it happen. And Thomas Rawls, we haven't seen him string two together in a full calendar year. So I like Atlanta. I think like a 27, 20, 20 to game. I think they're a seven point win here, quite frankly, at home. I'm going to take Seattle or Atlanta 27 20. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it's going to be a close game. We, you know, we've given a lot of attention to Thomas Rawls, but let's not forget that this Atlanta. Falcon offense is fifth in the NFL in rushing as well as third in the league in passing because they have such so many weapons they have Julio Jones obviously Matt Ryan loves to air it out but with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman they rush for over 120 yards a game and you know you you look at that team well you know Devontae Freeman only had a thousand yards or whatever yeah, but you, you combine them. It, right. You know, it, it's not just Thomas Rawls. It's both these cats. Right, right. And it's a dynamic offense, and I like Atlanta at home. In Seattle, yeah, different story. But Atlanta, I like them at home. And let's look back. Atlanta probably should have won that game in Seattle early on in the season. True. It's if that pass interference call on Julio Jones gets made, or if he's not interfered with and catches that ball, then we're talking about an Atlanta team that actually managed to go to Seattle. Don't turn and your beat head and look at that well, thing. I, I gotta, I, it's, it's exciting days for me, Rick. All right, moving on. All right, take your time, Rick.
All right, concentrate, run the numbers. Okay. Use your little machine over there where you spit out all these wonderful stats. I want you to make an informed decision as on Saturday night the Houston Texans travel to New England, take on the Golden Boy and the Patriots. <sighs> it's tough, I know. Let me let me look at that. <laughs> oh. He just pulled out a ream of paper. You've been crunching numbers for a week here. New England. <laughs> that simple. Yeah, so, we could leave it at that. I'm gonna like. say I'm gonna say like New England 31-14. I I don't see. I I see them covering their 15 point favorite at home. I'm saying 16 today. It's actually moving towards New England. I've never seen. I don't think I've I've never seen a fit. Probably never happened a 15 point spread in the playoffs, and then to see it moving towards the favorite as the week goes on is crazy. I've seen 16 all day. Well, you know, and the thing is, defense wins championships. And logic said, well, you know, Houston's got the number one defense in the league. But you know what? We saw that a lot early on with um, Arizona, where the defense was playing well. Or Minnesota is even a better example. Yeah, they're example. an excellent example. You know, because they were basically season long one of the best defenses in the league. But after a while, they wear down. You have to score eventually. You can't stop Tom Brady all the time. But you know what? The New England defense is pretty doggone good, too. And with Brock Osweiler at the helm, there's not a whole lot there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to give the Houston defense some respect. And I say they hold they hold New England to the same 27 they held them to earlier in the year. When I don't know if you recall, but New England shut them out in New England 27 nothing. And do you remember, Rick, You know, here we go, a little trivia game. Do you remember who the quarterback was that beat the Houston Texans 27 nothing? Yeah, it was Garoppolo, wasn't it? No. Oh, no, it was Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, a guy right. named Jacoby yep. Brissett beat you 27 nothing. You're going back there two and a half months later taking on another guy you may have heard of named Tom Brady. Look, I think I'm not as terrified of Tom Brady. I don't want to say that. I am terrified of Tom Brady. I'm not as terrified as this New England offense as I once was. I've, you know, I've, I don't see the switch where they could just go out and put up 50 if they need it any longer. I think a good defense can limit them within reason of what you could limit a guy like Tom Brady in the playoff. So I think they can hold him to 27. I don't know where Houston scores. You know, Osweiler had a nice little game against a terrible defense, and while he's pumping his fist and claiming victory, he still didn't have that good of a week, right, numbers-wise. I don't know how they score. No, I, I'm going to go 27-6 to six here. I just don't think – simple for a guy like Belichick, you take away Hopkins 100%. You can eliminate him. You load up on the run game on Lamar Miller, and there's no other recourse for the Houston Texans to score because God knows Brock Osweiler isn't going to take it on his shoulders and beat Tom Brady on the road in the playoffs. I got 27-6. And, and you've been talking about the vulnerability of New England all season long. It's all eye test. I know the numbers don't bear it out, and, Rick. This is eye test. I mean, I don't even know what eye test you're taking because they are 14-2. and two. The only teams that outscored them in the league were Atlanta and New Orleans. And, oh, by the way, New Orleans gave up 454 points. Atlanta gave up 405, and New England gave up 250. There's not a whole lot of vulnerability on either I, side I, of the football. I, I understand it, Rick. There's, just, there's something there. 
There's just something there. Eight and zero on the road, five and one in the division. Oh, well, they just win I, football games. They, they they've never won get an seven straight. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they're eleven and one against AFC, three and one against NFC. There's not much air. I call mean, the bookie unless this thing moves to twenty four. I'm taking. I'm taking New England here. I, it, it's a whitewash. And let's get to a game that'll be worth watching. I can't believe they made this the primetime game. Rick. That really surprised. I guess you just want to get New England in primetime. I, I don't guess, know. Yeah. All right. Sunday one o'clock. The game. I will be you know, climbing up the walls watching as our Steelers head to Kansas City take on the Chiefs. Yeah, I was um, just really thrilled about this game. <sighs> You know, but you just sit here, you know, you look at the number. This is the eye test to me here that doesn't make sense. When you look at Kansas City, they're like whatever they are, 26 against the rush and whatever, not 23. I had to pull this, the numbers up. I mean, they're the 20th overall defense in the league or the offense in the league, the 24th overall defense in the league, blah, blah, blah. And they're 12 and four. All they do is hawk the football. Create turnovers create and score on defense fields. and special teams. They create short fields for Alex Smith, and they wreak havoc. They give up yards. They're the classic Steeler defense of right. last year. They've been, but, but they don't like to break all right. lot. They're 12-4. and four. That being said, I think they're hitting a team that is close to as hot as New England and Green Bay and with, with Pittsburgh. I didn't like what I saw at the end of that game with New, with Pittsburgh last week against Miami when they had it well in hand and they looked like they were playing the almost like the prevent offense, <laughs> which just looked which was horrifying. But people can get hurt doing that, as we saw with Ben Roethlisberger. They've got to stay in high gear against Kansas City, and I think they will. I, I think I think this team's more on a mission than what we've seen. They say, oh, you know, everybody was claiming in the, in the wild card round, oh, they they have a tendency to play to their competition. No, they didn't. They stomped Yeah, Miami. they did. And I think yeah. I was impressed because I said that to you, I believe, right. in the text. Yeah. And generally that's true. And to their credit, they did not do it. They came out, they smashed them, and then they put their boot on their neck, and they didn't smash them. Right. So before I predict this game, let, let's get the conversation out of the way with Ben Roethlisberger being in that game with four minutes to go. Here's what I want to say. Would I have liked as a fan, now especially knowing the outcome that Ben Roethlisberger got himself hurt, however, it doesn't seem serious, as a fan, yeah, I'd want him out of that game. But to say this was a foolish decision, Mike Tomlin did something stupid, uh, Aaron Rodgers won by, I believe, more in his game, right? He finished the game. Yeah. I believe, let, let's look back, you know, Brock Osweiler, we won't talk about that, but they were up two scores. He finished the game. Russell Wilson blowing right. him out. He finished the game. There is no reason in the world to say Ben Roethlisberger shouldn't have been in that game. No. And when you and I talked about this, that's not what the issue I have is. My issue was they just quit playing offense. Right. Really. Yeah. It was like, okay, we're going to give it Le'Veon Bell, yeah. and he's going to So you drop the back the pass, the receivers ran the wrong route, and the offensive line just stood up, and yeah. your quarterback's getting hit. That's the problem. Exactly. You have to keep the pedal to the metal. You have to keep doing what you did. All game long. Right. You can't just – Or pull everybody. Keep playing or pull everybody. You can't right. have 10 guys going halfway and right. your star quarterback trying exactly. to make a play. Exactly. All right, so let's move on past that, this game. All right, here's Oh, I thing. think I said – I'm going Pittsburgh by mere three points. Yeah, yeah, it, it's good. I got the I got the Chiefs by a field goal. Right. This is how close that game is. It's a field goal either way. 
Look, Kansas City came to Pittsburgh in October, <laughs> had 43 hung on them, lost 43-14, and scored those 14 late, right after the defense right. gave up. Scored, they got killed. That's not going to happen again. Here's the the difference for me. Everyone knows the difference in the home and road splits for Ben Roethlisberger. Add that to the fact that Ben Roethlisberger's been a little loose with the ball, even at home the last several games. Two bad interceptions against Baltimore. Lucky to win that game. Two bad interceptions here last week against Miami. And these are games at home, games he, he's in control of. He plays so poorly on the road. I think Tyreek Hill gives the Steelers a lot of problems. It's not a good tackling defense in the secondary. Tyreek Hill finds a way to make a play. I think they can keep it away from him on special teams, but they're going to find Kansas City's going to find ways to get him the ball in space on offense, and the Steelers are going to struggle with a guy like that. But the big issue for me is we talk about it every year in the regular season when we're predicting games. And I haven't heard it brought up much here as we go to the playoffs. What Andy Reid does, especially at home, coming off a bye week. He's almost unbeatable coming off a bye week. So you add all those together, while I think Pittsburgh's the better team, they're the much better offense. Because, look, it's just got to be these tournaments. I don't know how Kansas City – did you ever try to sit down and watch a Chiefs game, Rick? You sit down and watch them in the second quarter or the early third quarter of a game. And it's just – it looks like a high school offense, right? They can't move the ball. Nothing's going on. You flip the channel, you look back at the end of the game, and they've scored 37. <laughs> you, know, you don't know how they did it. I think these things catch up with Pittsburgh. I think Ben Roethlisberger being loose with the ball catches up with it. I'm going to take the Chiefs here 27-24, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that score's flipped. I, I'm not passionate about it. I think I, actually I may just be emotionally fading myself because <laughs> I want the Steelers to win this so desperately. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And also, when you watch a Kansas City game, you'd swear that defense oh, yeah, was, they give was, was top chunks. three in the league. No, you'd think they were top three in the league the way they're, they they seem to hound the quarterback or, or they seem to hit hard and make good tackles. And yet, you look at their stats, they give up over 120 yards rushing a game. They give up almost 250 yards passing a game. They're 24th overall in the league. They don't create turnovers. Pittsburgh could kill them oh. again. I mean, that is the key. That is their only chance, yeah. to me, of winning. The key for the Steelers. Because I... Le'Veon Bell's back. Right, right. All right? I, I believe the key here, if you're a Steeler fan, or if you're rooting for the Steelers. Here's the formula for the Steelers to win. Watch the game last week. Short passes, that one entire drive, 10 plays, a touchdown right. drive, 10 plays, handoffs to Le'Veon Bell. If you do that, you win. I, for whatever reason, I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger to show that patient. I don't know if it's Haley. I still believe it's Roethlisberger, for the most part, calling the plays on that offense. And if he starts trying to throw it around and create those big plays, I think that's where they get themselves in trouble, and I believe he does it. If they go in there and say, we're running Le'Veon 35 times, they're going to win this game by two touchdowns. And you also hit on a great point. Hit the short passes. Antonio Brown showed us last week what he can do yeah. Get him the ball once, he got, once he has the ball. You don't need to throw the rainbow 50 no, yards no. down to him. You get him down the field 10, 15 yards, bang, let him get the other 30 on his yeah. own. He'll get them. Don't run that stupid bubble screen. Get right. him six or seven yards upfield. Get the ball in his hands and sit back and watch. 
<laughs> That's what you need to do. Exactly. I just don't know that I trust Ben to have that type of patience on the road in a game where he will be taking some hits. So uh, th- those are things I look at. And finally, Rick, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon game. Before Pack- we go oh. there, just to, you know, just to let the listeners know, Eric Berry is a full participant practice. He's back yeah, in I the believe they're, secondary. They're 100% healthy now. Yes. Houston, I believe, going to be there. It's going to be the full complement. All right, Rick, Sat- Sunday afternoon. Looking forward to this one, too. Packers in Dallas taking on the Cowboys. Well, as people that are asylumites have been listening to the show back in August when we made our predictions, and I think you made the wise Arizona Cardinals uh, Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl <laughs> I prediction. Just missed. Just <laughs> missed. By that much. <laughs> My prediction's still possible. I have Pittsburgh and Green Bay. I've got to go Green Bay. I think they are the hottest team in the league right now. And Dallas still has a rookie quarterback. And as great as he's performed, you mentioned uh, we were talking before, you give a rookie a bye week. I don't know if that's beneficial. And I'll match Aaron Rodgers against anybody in the league in the playoffs. I like green bay in a close game against dallas yeah what this comes down to you look at what aaron Rodgers has done over the last six or seven weeks it is ungodly the way he has performed he's gotten to the point where he is so deadly accurate and we've seen him go through these stretches he's not always that guy we've seen him go through these stretches where for a stretch of games he he's just can't miss just everything's absolutely pinpoint create and play look they have no running game you know Ty Montgomery every once in a while they find that matchup they're not going to find it here against Dallas you you just look and I agree with you and, and that's a big thing I don't think this week off does a Dak Prescott any good you know it, it was good defensively they got Claiborne back get that offensive line rested up I don't think it hurts a Zeke Elliott and they're going to be able to run the ball and they're going to be able to control the clock here should they so desire with Zeke Elliott against that Packers front But this comes down to Aaron Rodgers' ability to just go out and throw for four touchdowns like he did last week against New York. New York, a defense that for that little stretch of games, Rick, was playing like the best defense in the league towards the end of that season. So what what he did there, his ability to make plays, I don't know how you beat – I don't think a rookie even at home beats Aaron Rodgers the way he's playing right now. I just don't see it happening. So for that, I think this is a real shootout. I really I think this is Zeke I think Zeke Elliott runs for a buck forty and multiple touchdowns. I think Dak Prescott makes some plays. I think Des Bryant finds the end zone. But I think this is like a 37-34 type of win. But if I we get into a game like that and you got to pick the quarterback I'm picking is Aaron Rodgers. So I got the Packers 37-34. All right. We've got that covered. Call your bookies. We got you all covered. And, uh, you know, 4-0 last week. I'm looking to go 8-0 this oh, week. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think there's any – well, we disagree. So, I guess we both can't be 8-0. We both agreed last week. But uh, what, what games did we differ on? Just the Steeler game? Yeah. Yeah, just the Steeler game. So, I'll be 4-0. You'll be 3-1. and That won't be too bad. <laughs> Although, I'd like to be 3-1. <laughs> you know, if, if the Steelers are the ones who, who give me my only loss, I'll be happy well, just, to take that. Well, before we go to the break here, maybe you can let me know who Cincinnati's going to beat in the playoffs this, year, this week <laughs> and Arizona. Okay. I'll get back to you on okay. that. i got to research. Jerk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's it. We'll leave it at that. We'll be back with more fun, more thrills, more frivolity, as we're wont to do here on the Asylum, exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. 
Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs here to remind you to tune in to Snowman in the Morning tomorrow as Snowman finally responds to the ridiculous notion about LeBron James eventually passing Michael Jordan. You don't want to miss old Snowman going off on this. Start your day off the right way with Snowman in the Morning at its new time. 9 a.m. Eastern on Arena Sports Net. You can also listen online at snowmaninthemorning.com. Yeah, probably not something you want to say to folks in Chicago, huh? Probably not. I Look, I, <laughs> I don't want to make Snowman mad here, but they, they, they're two totally different players. I, I, you know what? I'm not even going to get down to it. We could lose a whole segment on that one, Rick. So as we enter the off season, I, I think it's important to let folks know that, especially to listen through the AsylumFantasySports.com and our iTunes feed. If you're looking for two hours of hard-hitting fantasy coverage from January to May, this might not be the show for you. The Arena Sports Net is a sports network. If you listen to us long enough, you know we have a hard time staying on topic as it is. Here's what I'm going to promise you. You're going to get at least one segment of fantasy every single week, maybe more, but you'll get at least that. But we're going to cover the world of sports. We're going to cover pop culture. We're going to cover news. We're going to do a lot of things. I just want to get that out there now before the emails come in and all the angry tweets, right, Rick? Let's just dispel <laughs> that right now. I'm not doing two hours of fantasy football in April. Right? Oh, no. I'm just not going to do it. All nah, right? not, uh, not even close. We'll sprinkle plenty in, give you at least one segment. This is going to be that segment this week. This is what I look forward to, Rick. We're just going to hand out some awards here. I got three awards. We're going to give out the most valuable fantasy player. We're going to give out the least valuable fantasy player, which, boy, there was a lot of candidates for that one. I can't wait for that. And then the breakout star. There's always that one guy, that waiver wire darling, that guy you didn't expect or that guy that just completely exceeded his ADP. Guys like that. So let's start out. With the easy one, I don't want to say easy, Rick. There's a lot of tough calls here. I'll let you go first. This season, the 2016 Fantasy Football Most Valuable Player. For my money, it was David Johnson. And a lot of people may raise their eyebrows at that because of Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott and and Rodgers getting hot. But David Johnson was... You know, in this zero running back era that everybody's starting to get so high on, which we're going to get into some of this later on, you can bet on that. David Johnson, over 2,100 total yards, 80 catches. He had 20 touchdowns in an offense that, save for Larry Fitzgerald, really didn't have much anything else. Right, they're bad. Yeah. Palmer was bad this year. And, And I think for he didn't get hurt. I mean, he was there week after week for your fantasy football team, putting up spectacular numbers. That's what you want from a fantasy football guy. And I have to give the nod, even though it was very close. I'm giving it to David Johnson. Yeah, this was tough. I can't argue against David Johnson. But here's the criteria I used. I took value versus ADP. True. I factored that in. David Johnson went in the top. 12, right? I, he wasn't a top five guy, if I remember right, in terms of a, and, or, uh, ADP. I think he was more towards the end of the first round. He started creeping up as August rolled along, but he was still considered a first round talent. So I look around. Here's the candidates I had, Rick. Matt Ryan. 
4,900 yards, 38 touchdowns, only seven picks. Ended up being the number two quarterback. He was drafted roughly as the number 14 quarterback. So there's some serious value there. Yeah. <clears throat> the one league I managed to make a championship run in was all because of Matt Ryan. He led me there. Looking at DeMarco Murray, 1,200 is a guy I had no respect for going in. I was a Derrick Henry guy, if you recall. Yeah, I do recall. 1,200, almost 1,300 rush yards, nine touchdowns. Another 53 grabs and three touchdowns on top of that. A huge surprise. Now, I wonder going forward with DeMarco Murray, as we saw Derrick Henry get more and more work as that year went on, does that become more of a two-headed monster? And how about Larry Fitzgerald, Rick? I think we spent a whole show saying, how does this guy keep falling between the ninth and the 12th round of these fantasy drafts? All he did was lead the league in receptions, Rick, with 107 grabs, 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. So I think that's what hurts Larry there, and that's sort of been the knock on him his whole career. For whatever reason, they love him to get them down towards the goal line, but then they throw the ball to someone else or give it to David Johnson to score. Looking at all those guys, my MVP, Rick, this year, the last candidate, the guy I'm going to give it to, coming off that terrible knee injury, a guy who dropped way down in draft. No, I say way down. I don't remember his ADP. I was thinking he's he's about a fourth-round draft where so many wide receivers were taken in the three rounds. You don't know who the number one fantasy wide receiver in the league was this year, do you, Rick? I think you'll be stunned. Jordy Nelson, you nailed it. There's my fantasy MVP. 95 grabs, 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns, a total in a PPR format of 320 fantasy points that you gathered up in the fourth or fifth round. This guy still was limping around, still missed time, going to miss his playoff game this week, but that doesn't affect this voting. For my money, Rick, a guy like Jordy Nelson, when we get to in the next segment where we're going to hack it up and do some fantasy football New Year's resolutions, for a guy who seemed to get forgotten even when nothing but wide receivers were drafted early on, if you drafted David Johnson and LaShawn McCoy, and picked up Jordy Nelson in the fourth or fifth round. Congratulations, you're a fantasy champion, and that's what makes a fantasy MVP for me. I give it to Jordy Nelson. Yeah, it, it is hard to argue with that. You know, I, I took David Johnson. Oh, yeah. you can't argue against David Johnson. You know, I really like the the value argument, um, like you said. You know, versus <laughs> ADP. But the thing is, David Johnson. Yeah, he was one of the top three or four running backs drafted. But in PPR formats, he did not have one single game in single digits. That's huge. He was double-digit scoring every single game of the year. I mean, that's what you get them for. And, And, yeah, I mean, Jordy Nelson, yeah, you better believe it. Matt Ryan, you better believe it. I mean, these guys... Certainly valuable. Took a lot of guys to uh, Super Bowl championships. But David Johnson, you spent that first-round pick. How many people spent a first-round pick on DeAndre Hopkins? Right. And got destroyed. Or even, I don't know, pick somebody. Odell Beckham Jr. got destroyed. You know, but a David Johnson. How about Allen Robinson? Straight through. Yeah, Allen Robinson, (laughs) who was a real contender for the LVP in my book, but you know, we'll get there. He, hadn't, he didn't make it. Yep. But. Well, let's do it. Let's get there. So I'll start out the LVP. Here's the three, uh, I guess, dishonorable mentions, if you want to call it that. The three guys who didn't get it. Number one on that list, Rick, Allen Robinson. <laughs> Number one, he just missed for me. 73 catches. I was actually surprised it was this high. 
73 grabs, 883 yards, and six touchdowns. I don't know. This wasn't an Allen Robinson problem, I don't think. This is all about the the drunk Blake Bortles, <laughs> quite frankly. But just nowhere. I drafted this guy, recommended people to do it, and folks did it everywhere. You drafted this guy the middle to late first round and just absolutely destroyed you. Just crushed your seat. For everything you said about David Johnson and how you got even more than you expected for him for the price you paid, Allen Robinson was the complete 180 opposite of that. Thomas Ralsrick, a guy we gave some shine to off the top of the show for what he did last week, couldn't get on the field, finishes the season with 349 rush yards and three touchdowns. This is a guy you didn't pay a real high price for him because there were some question marks there, but just couldn't have disappointed more, and it just couldn't get on the field. And I, I wonder if that's going to become the knock on this kid. And Todd Gurley, Rick, you can't leave him out. I give him a dishonorable mention. Three or 885 rush yards, six touchdowns. And I'll submit to you, Rick, most of that came in the last four weeks. I right, mean, it was yeah. so bad, and you paid a top-five pick for this. But my fantasy LVP, Rick, I'm going to give to a guy you didn't expect anything. You didn't draft him to play on your fantasy football team. He wasn't on your fantasy football team. But what this man did was ruin the fantasy season for two top 24 players. Those two top 24 players were DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar Miller, whose seasons were completely ruined and fantasy production completely ruined by this clown, this loser, this ne'er-do-well, this charlatan Brock Osweiler, who is six feet, eight inches tall, and can't get the ball over the damn line of scrimmage. So not only did you do nothing, now we didn't expect anything from you, but not only did you do nothing, you ruined the fantasy season for millions of people and ruined the seasons of DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar Miller, both top 24 guys. So to you, sir, I say, pooey. And he is your least valuable Least player. valuable I'll tell you what, I mean, that, that that's pretty good, Rick. And, and one of my honorable mentions, of course, was Allen Robinson, just like you said. I'll tell you another one that was one of my honorable mentions. Not one that was going to be highly regarded, but certainly everyone thought was going to be serviceable, was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right, yeah. He went out there and threw for a magnificent 2,700 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks, and just totally the season was abysmal compared to last year. Another one I'm sticking with quarterbacks, Cam Newton. Yeah, big, big. Paid a high price for Cam Newton, just didn't pan out. However, (coughs) pardon me. Don't get choked up over it. I know you're mad. My LVP, Brandon Marshall. It's huge. Huge this, this was a number one receiver coming into this year. A lot of high expectations. 59 catches, three touchdowns. Now, is that on Brandon Marshall? Or is that on who somebody else you had on your dishonorable mention list? And Ryan When he gets right down to it, it doesn't matter. If you drafted him, say, in the second round for your WR1, he was your least valuable player. <laughs> what do Allen Robinson and Brandon Marshall have in common, by the way? They're very similar to DeAndre Hopkins this year. Well, what they have in common is they were Rick Fliegers, two of Rick Fliegers' top three picks in the Caveman Fantasy League, thus ruining my chance to follow up that spectacular season. So, blah on him as well. Did terrible, terrible times. I, I have no, just no good. Two guys I really believed in just crushed me. So, we give them all LVPs. I'll pay for all the trophies if we need to. 
Yeah, really. I mean, it only costs a buck anyway. Yeah, they're, so. they're cheap. All right, Rick. And now, now this one, this one was the toughest for me. There's so many names, and I'm not sure what the criteria would even be. But the breakout star this year, I'll tell you what, I'll start with my honorable mentions. Number one, and this guy came real close to winning, real close to winning. If I didn't have an affinity for the guy I give the breakout star trophy to, it probably should be Jordan Howard. He came on later in the year after I was a Jeremy Langford guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're a Langford whole show guy. Talking about that. All Jordan Howard did was run for 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, catch another 29 balls just short of 300 yards for another touchdown. Did that mostly late in the season. And at the end of the season when Jay Cutler went down and, and Matt Barkley was starting games for this team, Jordan Howard was the only offense this team had and was still putting up consistent 100-yard games towards the end of the season when this offense was just absolutely doing nothing and they were getting blown out. Jordan Howard setting up to be a star. Another honorable mention, Rick, I gave a lot of thought to this guy too, Michael Thomas down there in New Orleans. 92 grabs. I was stunned it was that high when I went back and looked at the numbers. 92 grabs for 1,100 yards, and get this, nine touchdowns. What a year this kid had. This was a guy I did hit on. I drafted him in all my leagues at the end and have him in some keeper leagues, and I'm going to be glad to hold on to him for such a low price. And Jay, our, our boy, Rick, where's the button here? It's been a while. I'm out of practice. Oh, it's not working. Oh, no. Hold on, hold on. You just keep pounding that button, Rick. No, I just – I think we'll try it here, right here. Ajayi. There we go. Sorry, there. We did the way you just. Okay. Pow. Of course, we Ajayi. have. Um, oh yeah, Cletus still an interpretive <laughs> dance. No I thought call, it was over. Just a no call, no show this week. Right. So I'm running back and forth, mashing the buttons, but here we go. Honorable Ajayi. mention to our boy Jay Ajayi, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. I believe it was three. 200-yard games, Rick, at least two. Yeah. If it wasn't three, this guy is the real deal. That guy who cursed us out two seasons ago when we couldn't pronounce his name might turn out to be right in the end. Ajayi. Is Ajayi setting up to be a star here. But my breakout star award, Rick's going to go to one Melvin Gordon. Now, I have an affinity for this, but here's a guy, 997 rush yards, 41 catches, 419 yards, Wonder if that would have been that high if Danny Woodhead got, hadn't right. gotten hurt early in the season. But a total of, after never even sniffing the end zone early in his career and getting bashed for that, goes out and puts up a total of 12 total touchdowns, 10 rushing, 2 receiving, just huge. And this is a guy, again, you want to talk about value. He was falling to the fourth and fifth rounds because of his inability to get in the end zone, because of Woodhead taking so many snaps away from him. Melvin Gordon had a nose for the end zone until he got hurt at the end of the year. He might have finished with 15 or 16 touchdowns had he not getting hurt, gotten hurt at the end of the year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Melvin Gordon, that is the only reason I didn't give it to him as the breakout because if Woodhead comes back, you may see these uh, catch totals go down with Melvin Gordon. Um, that remains to be seen. I agree with the Jordan Howard and all that. I'll tell you another guy that made my honorable mention was Cameron Meredith coming out right. on the Bears. Uh, 66 catches, 888 yards, and four touchdowns. And I think we're going to have to get uh, Rilio, Master Antonio, yeah. NFL agent on back the on because um, they do have Cameron Meredith in their stable. and kind of like to hear a little what was going on with him. And, uh, boy, it'd be nice to get Cameron on the yeah, show. Yeah, if you're listening, really, oh, let's let's get Cameron on the show here. Yeah, exactly. Give him, a little, give him a little shine. Dap him up a little. But I'll tell you what, my breakout guy, we talked about this 
I don't even know if it was on air. It's been so long now, but we were talking about, you know, we always had these, uh, the elite quarterbacks, you know, we had the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, the, the Drew Brees. I think Kirk Cousins has made that step into elite status. I think Kirk Cousins now is QB1, period. I mean, it's not even in, in the discussion now. I mean, he is uh, he's going to be right in there with luck. Right. Derek Carr is going to be the same way. But, I mean, Cousins has really stepped forward, almost 5,000 yards passing this year. And the kid can run. He has four rushing touchdowns. So, I tell you what, I just think he has hit elite status. And you he's know what? my breakout player. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I love Kirk Cousins. Had him in a couple of leagues. You know, got him, got him for a song. Got him on the waiver wire in a couple of leagues, if, so I, if I recall correctly. What he reminds me of, though, if I was a Redskins fan, which which I'm kind of growing to be, I don't know why, but I for some reason find myself an affinity for this Redskins team. He reminds me a bit of a Romo. <laughs> he's going to put up numbers, but he's going to lose a big game, <laughs> as we saw going down the stretch. But from from a fantasy football perspective, rather than paying top dollar. For your Aaron Rodgers, your Drew Brees, some guys like this. If I can get a Kirk Cousins in the eighth, ninth, tenth round of my draft, and he's going to go out and put up the type of numbers he does and the numbers he can most weeks, I, yeah, Kirk Cousins is the next generation. Him, you mentioned Derek Carr. These are the next generation of guys moving up as Ben and Eli and Brady and Brees. These guys start to, start to hit the sunset of their careers and fade out. This is going to be the next group of stars. I agree, 100%. Well, there's the awards, Rick. That's good. I'm happy we got that done, except for the fact that two of the four on the list for LVP were big parts of my Caveman Fantasy League team, so I'm yeah. not happy about that. I'll Still tell you, another, what, honorable, another honorable mention to me was uh, Matt Forte. Yeah. <laughs> Save for three huge games, he did nothing. No, yeah, it was terrible. In again, an offense everyone thought was going to be yeah. – Fairly stellar this year. I want to blame. I want to blame Ryan Fitzpatrick for all of that. Still, he was just so bad. He was that, that offense. When you get benched for Bryce Petty, that says a whole lot about the type of year you had. Yeah, it really. And does. what it did to everyone around him. So we still got some time here left, Rick. I'm curious what you think about this. I hadn't even heard rumblings about this. When I saw this story today, I was stunned by this. I had no idea what was going on. So uh, a guy named Don Yee, Rick, he's Tom Brady's agent, or at least was. I don't know if he still is. Along with Ed McCaffrey, you remember Ed McCaffrey, and a big list of guys you haven't heard of, are forming what they are calling the Pacific Pro Football League. Now, we all know these other leagues never work out, right? The USFL, the XFL, the... European League even being propped up by the NFL. These leagues don't work. But listen to what the Pacific Pro Football League is. And I wonder if you think this will have an impact not only on on the NFL but on college football going forward. This is being developed. It will be a four-team league, four teams, 50 players each. It's going to be a developmental league. It's going to be for players right out of high school who either can't or don't want to go to college. This is going to be a true minor league for the NFL. They're in no way going to compete. They're only going to play a handful of games. It's going to be all about development. Limited coaching staff, the guys are going to be paid fifty grand a year, which could be attractive, I think, to potential high school players with the NFL potential who don't want to go through the nonsense of college football, who are maybe in dire financial straits. If you're in, you know, growing up in the hood somewhere, $50,000 is a whole lot of money. 
for playing in this. The stated goal is to be a feeder system for the NFL and for guys who either don't want to or can't make it through the college football process. This also eliminates the minimum two years of college football rule. It takes all of these things out. What do you think about this, Rick? I love it with one caveat. It's not on television. Um, does it say that? I, I got to imagine they put it on TV, don't you think? There's not minor league baseball's not on TV. Yeah, that's true. Minor league hockey's not on TV. I, it's, it's. I don't want to see this turned into uh, how should I put it? Junior college sports. Where somebody's making millions of dollars, okay, over somebody. I mean, you know, we we had this discussion about college athletes. Should they get paid for making universities millions and millions of dollars? I don't want to see these four teams make a bunch of money off of a TV contract, paying guys fifty grand to go get their brains beat out, and they're talking with all this care that they're talking about with concussion protocol and so forth if that's all they're going to pay them then it better just be kind of like developmental training and just what they're talking about and here's what they're stating now on their advisory board and this gives this some merit to me their advisory board amongst another bunch of other guys you've never heard of are mike shanahan and mike Pereira, who both say this here's mike shanahan's quote on this Professional football is a very specialized game. It demands precise technique and a certain mental approach. Pack pros, this is what it's going to be called, the pack pros time has come, and these fantastic athletes will be well-trained for the pro game on and off the field. And that's in response to the offenses. These games aren't going to be played to win. There's going to be no spread offense. Quarterbacks are going to be required to call plays in the huddle. This isn't going to be about winning and losing. They're going to play eight games a year. It doesn't mention anything about television. I imagine somebody's going to want to televise it, and these investors are going to want to make some money off of it, right? So right. I think it would be. But it sounds like the rules, at least right now as they are establishing them, are strictly to get players prepared for the pro game. And it fills this need. It says here in the story, it fills the need of college coaches – they don't care about the NFL. They get paid to win football games, right? Right. So these college-style offenses where you see guys, and I think this is really relevant now. We'll talk about the NCAA championship game here a little later on in the show. But, you know, you have to ask the question, does the skill set in the offense that Deshaun Watson ran in college after we saw what he did, does that at all translate to the NFL? Now you look at this Pac Pro Football League coming out where they're not only they're going to be taught to do it the right way, they're going to be required to. No spread offense, no shotgun. They're going to be call plays in the huddle, they're going to get under center, and they're going to run a pro style offense. Do you think this could in any way, could this any way, in any way, cut into the talent going into the NCAA? I think it could. I think it could. I mean, if there's. <clears throat> Four teams of 50 players, there's 200 players right there. If it makes it, I mean, if it actually makes a difference and the NFL is starting to dip into this reserve of developed talent, what does that lead to? Expansion. Right. Well, now if you go from four to eight, well, now all of a sudden it's 400 players not going into college. Right. And now yeah, a lot of these guys may be only – the Mac, 
the you know the whack well, some of these conferences. Maybe not your SECs right away. Obviously, not right away. No, that's what I'm saying. It's I think it's going to hurt the smaller schools to start with, but I think it could whittle into it if it is truly what they say, developmental, and the NFL starts to tap this pool of talent that is starting to form. Right. So, yeah. And I think if they could gain some credibility and respectability, I think it's entirely possible, Rick, that the top 200 prospects, or however many spots, I believe they're allowed to play for four years. So the top, say there's 80 spots available each year, that 80 of the top high school talents in the country, if this could gain some credibility, could go to this, and why wouldn't you? They're not going to college for an education. Most of the guys that wind up in the NFL know in high school they're going to the NFL, and they have to go through this NCAA song and dance to get there. If you have this where not only can you make money, but theoretically at least what they're trying to sell us here is be better prepared for the NFL, you would be insane to go to college. Well, it's – yeah, it's going to be a slow process. I, I agree. But if you, like I said, if the NFL starts tapping into some of this and these guys are well prepared, okay, number one, they're getting paid, albeit it's not a lot of money. How, a lot of money for an 18 year old kid. However, I think they're going to be more, they're going to be better prepared for the NFL because for four years, everybody isn't telling them how great they are. Right. Simple as that. I mean, I think. That has hurt many a megastar in college that could have been stars in the NFL simply because they weren't willing to put in what it takes to be a megastar in the NFL because they've been told since they were in junior high that you're wonderful, you're great, and nobody's better than you. Right. And now all of a sudden you show up to this place with only other potential professional football players. Look, you only get this in the SEC. Right. In the top end of the ACC, the top end of the Big Ten, that's sort of where it ends. Top end of the Pac-12. You you don't get this all around the countries. I think, boy, if they could gain some credibility. Now, the NCAA, I don't know, through marketing, through different things, they're so big and so powerful, and they have so much money. I don't know how it would be. This might be the conspiracy theorist in me. Might find a way to just crush this. But if this could gain some credibility, I'm just thinking, if I'm an 18-year-old kid, I just graduated high school, I'm the number three-ranked player in the country at my position. And I have Alabama calling me and saying, all right, and I got Nick Saban calling me, look, you're going to start as a freshman. You're going to be on TV every week. You're not going to get any money, but you're going to get down here. We're going to develop you. you got to stay here for two years. you got to get to 19 or be two years out of high school, whatever, however that rule breaks down. Then you can go to the NFL and you make millions. Or I get Mike Shanahan calling me and say, here's the deal, Rick. I'm going to give you $50,000 a year. You're going to play eight games. I'm going to teach you how to play pro football. I'm going to teach you how to play college football. I'm not going to teach you how to defend a spread offense. Or I'm not going to teach you how to run a spread offense. Right. I'm going to teach you how to play the pro game. I'm going to give you a little bit of money, and I'm going to surround you by the best coaches in the world. I'm going to surround you with Ed McCaffrey. I'm going to be there. I think I'm going to go that way, Rick. And you know what? Because I had no intention of getting a college education. That was just a stepping stone to the NFL for and me. And you talk about the conspiracy theory. You know what can bail them out if, like I said, if the NFL for – whatever two three years whatever it is four years taps into this pool of talent and says hey these guys i mean they're coming in right and they're ready exactly and and ncaa tries to pull a power move on them 
all of a sudden, even if it's still four teams, the NFL could say, okay, they're going to be kind of like minor league baseball teams. Team A is affiliated with the right. NFC West, the NFC South. That'd be interesting. And so forth. You know what I'm saying? Right. And they can tap into that team. Like, like whatever, Seattle loses for whatever three running backs. Hey, we can tap into Team A. Right. Mid-season. Pull somebody up. That'd be interesting. Treat it like a true minor league. Exactly. I think what this it is, could right, work. whether or not this works, this is the first step. And I think it's something that's long needed to come. The NCAA wants to pretend like they're an amateur organization. Let's make them be an amateur organization. Right. I, I like this. I really do. I do I'm too. not sure this specific one is the answer or this is what makes it work, but I think this is step one. And in our lifetimes, we're going to see a true minor league for the NFL. Very interesting. Something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on as the spring rolls and on. And if here. you think about it, it, it could turn into something for the players. Like we were talking about the LSU not wanting to play in the bowl, right. you know, and so forth, this, that, and the other. Now maybe we won't have to see 168 bowl games. Right. Is there ain't going to be enough good football players. Right. Uh, very interesting. Something to keep an eye on. All right, well, let's leave it here. When we come back, a little more fantasy football here as we head into the offseason. I know it's a week late, but we have fantasy football New Year's resolutions exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Should old acquaintance be yes, it is a new year. Welcome back to the asylum. We are Fligger and Briggs. Right here in the Arena Sports Network. Hey, Northwest Indiana, need your Friday night hoops fix? Well, we have a big Duneland Conference matchup for you as the Michigan City Wolves host the Valparaiso Vikings. Snowman has a call beginning at 745 Eastern Time on Arena Sports Net Indiana. Follow on indiana.arenasportsnet.com or download the Arena Sports Net Indiana app. Or follow via TuneIn. Arena Sportsnet Indiana, the best of the Hoosier State. Hoop season in full swing, Rick, watching the high school hoops, the college hoops, watching my Pitt Panthers just get swallowed up every time they go on the road against a good – can I ask a dumb question? It's not a basketball question. What does old Lang Syne even mean? You know, I don't know. It must be some sort of old – Like German or something? I don't know. You know what? You pad. I, I, let's Google that. Yeah, I think we need to solve that. Because I'm guessing most of our audience, if you're listening to us, you're as dumb as we are, right? I, I think that's safe to assume. And I have no, for most of my life, I thought it was old Lang's eye, which didn't make any more sense. But there was two of the three words that I knew what they were, so I could wrap my head around it. But I was Googling it for that intro. It turns out it's old Lang Syne, and I don't have any clue what that is. It's got to be a foreign language, I'm not even right? sure how to spell it. A-U-L-D. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, there we go. There we go. S-Y-N-E. I had a hunch. I should have said it before it came up, but it's Scottish. Scottish, all right. What's old, it mean? Does it mean Happy New Year? Old Lang Syne, note S rather than Z, is a Scots poem written by Robert Burns in 1788. Robbie, I know him, yeah. And set to the tune of a traditional folk song, Roud number 6294. Uh, I thought it was 6292. That, That's yeah. where I'm getting messed up. All right, it's 6294. I got you. It is well known in many countries, especially in the English-speaking world. Well, yeah, if it was Scott, I imagine. Okay, it's traditional use being 
to bid farewell to the old year at the stroke of midnight. By extension, it is also sung at funerals, graduation, at funerals. And <laughs> yeah, don't it, play that song at my yeah. funeral. Everybody, Happy New Year! Yeah. The idiot's dead! <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the title may be translated into standard English as Old Long Since, or more idiomatically, Long Long Ago. Days gone by or old times. Consequently, for old lang, old lang syne, it appears in the first line of the course. Oh, as it appears in the first line of the course, might be loosely translated as "for the sake of old times." The phrase "old lang syne" is also used in similar poems by Robert Ayton, of course. Well, I mean, you know, 1570 to 1638. Yeah, yeah, Bobby, we yeah. call him. Alan Ramsley, old Al. Yeah. I mean, what a card he was, he huh? Was, he was a cut-up, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> and James Watson. Oh, Jay, Jimmy liked, to, liked his moonshine. Ooh, you had to watch him. Yeah, he liked it. He got a little squirrely on the shine. Yeah. I tell you. Oh, uh, so that's about where it is. I mean, yeah. that's, so it makes less sense to me now, but at least we know. No, it's basically it was. I a think poem, it should mean happy news. So it's saying know, good riddance, twenty sixteen. Two old times, just kind of toasting the past and looking forward to the future. All right, translated right. into asylum yeah, English. So play that at my funeral. Ding dong, the idiot is dead. <laughs> that's basically what that's saying. You celebrate it. All right, well, in that vein, that was a long, arduous way to get here, Rick. I think even though we're a week past. Well, I tell you, if we had more time, it would be wonderful to read the original Scots verse by Burns. I don't know if I could read it. I got time for two or three lines. What the heck? Okay. They didn't pay for this. <laughs> okay. Should old acquaintance be forgot mm -hmm. and never brought to mind? Question mark. Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? Okay, and then there's the chorus. For old lang syne, my Joe, for old lang syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. I don't remember Who's any Joe? of that. I don't know. Oh. And surely you'll be your pint stoop, and surely I'll be mine. And we'll take a cup of kindness yet for old Ang Syne. So I mean, so that's something about getting drunk on the porch, I right? I think you're just toasting. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're just, out in the porch getting hammered, which I imagine they do in Scotland. Yeah, right? why not? Yeah, that's what I would do. I, I think the Scots don't have any problem toasting things. I knew a girl in high school. I knew a lot of them. She was originally her parents, her family. I don't think she was ever actually there, but she she could turn it on and off. It had this Scottish accent. It was kind of hot. It really was. I'm thinking about her now. Sorry. Anyhow, I don't know. Off the tracks. So let's get it back. Maybe on you her. could look her up and she can sing Old Lang Syne to you. I saw her in Target just a few weeks ago, actually. At least I think it was her. That's probably why she's popping to mind now when we're doing the Scottish thing. But I do this thing when I'm in a store, Rick, I swear to God. You know how socially awkward I am, right? Well, you're, yeah, you're basically. A Neanderthal. Right. I'm not good at speaking with anybody, especially people I haven't seen in a long time. Bottom line is, if I'm out in public, say I'm in a store, which is really rare. I don't go to public very often. I don't belong there. But if I am out in a boot and I see somebody I know, I'll hide. I like duck behind something. I've done this to my own mother in the grocery store before. So th this is what I do. So I saw this girl, and I bailed out for fear she'd recognize me. And what am I going to say? How have you been doing for the last 22 years? <laughs> you know, and that's a lot to catch up on. 
you know, I'll be all steamed up and I'll ask her to do the accent and she'll think it's creepy. It'd just be a whole thing. So I just bailed out. You're, I bet you were like, you ever see the episode of Everyone Loves Raymond where, where uh, Deborah made him go to his 20th class reunion? Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I saw that one. And of course, you know, of course she was the cool girl and she started hanging out with all the people, the jocks and the cool people. Well, the only two people he knew were these two big nerds, <laughs> and they were talking about, you know, the the one guy was talking to Deborah. Oh yeah, in high school, Ray, Ray was crazy. One time he walked through the drive-through. He went beep beep, hurry up, you know. And, and <laughs> he was crazy, you know. That's probably how you were. Now you know what I've I've developed this social awkwardness, social anxiety over the years. I used to be rather obnoxious in public. Now I'm only obnoxious no. private. Now I'm only obnoxious privately. You see me, I get butt scurred like when we're out at the Hall of Fame and stuff. Oh yeah. I tell you what, really you know, awkward. I'm I don't know how to talk Turn to it off, get anymore. awkward again. When we're <laughs> when we're at the Hall of Fame. Seriously, you hear him on this show bloviating incessantly over nothing true <coughs> pardon me our voices still yeah, just aren't there flu's yet just still in the death grips but when we are at the the hall of fame covering it which of course i didn't make it this year however Boo. we'll get there it's like walking around with i don't know a zombie not even really a zombie because they kind of grunt and groan he just stands there blankly it's weird. Yeah. Your ability to just, like, go talk to people befuddles me. I, I can't understand it. I can't grasp it. And I used to be that way. I don't know what happened. You know, I sort of built this. You were mocking me for it earlier than earlier in the day when we were talking. I sort of built this fortress around this studio, and, I, you know, I don't leave it. Rick's choking to death out there. I hope the microphones are picking it up. Today might be finally be the day. I've declared them dead three or four times over the years. But today might be the day, actually. Ooh, boy, trying to get that voice back rough. Yeah, it's, it's ugly. We probably should have taken <laughs> one more week off. But we, we had to get to it. We had to do a divisional preview. Check uh, out the Snowman show on Friday. Yeah, you we, invade, we invaded uh, Friday's right. uh, the Snowman morning. So we had to get that out, and there's no sense coming to the studio for an 11-minute spot. So we figured, what the heck, we'll knock out a show while we're here as well. But anyhow, Rick, long, long way to get to this. Let's talk about New Year's resolutions, but I don't care if you say you're going to lose weight. You're not. You're going to eat one of those blizzards we talk about on the Snowman Show. You say you're going to exercise more, you're not going to do that. You say you're going to do better at work or you're going to organize, you're not going to do any of it. You're going to do nothing of the sorts. But here are some resolutions you can keep, Rick. Your 2017 fantasy football <coughs> resolutions. As I get the CPAP machine and the, what's the oh, it's the AED machine, right? To, I'm going to get the paddles ready. The D see if you can spit one out. Man, I mean, tell you what, it's just rough. I apologize for all that racket in the background while Rick's talking. Of course, it's probably just as interesting as Rick talking. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'll tell you what. My first fantasy football New Year's resolution of 2017 is I am going to make it a point to get what I consider, and of course every individual player is going to have to do their rankings and everything, and I suggest putting them into tiers as elite, you know, and then top tier and then tier one, tier two on down. 
at minimum, a top-tier quarterback. I am not mumbling around with the Blake Bortles of the worlds and, you know, hoping that these guys, I am going to get a quarterback that I can rely on that's going to help carry my team. Because if you look at fantasy scoring, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, they just, they're well, they're so far above all the other skill players but if you get down to these other ones, like I mentioned, say somebody gambled on, oh, I don't know, just say, you know, Blake Bortles and Ryan Fitzpatrick thinking, okay, I'm fine. We'll stream them. Yeah, stream. Your favorite yeah, word. stream. <laughs> but he'd have been up this creek right. without paddles. Right. Because, and there's nothing there to go grab any longer. So I'm getting a at least a minimum top-tier quarterback. Uh, Dave, Rick, that was my number four resolution. I'll read it as I have written. I will make a move early enough to draft a top-tier quarterback. There you go. And here's why. Basically what you said. I did a little research, believe that or not. You know, Cole's not around to do it anymore, so I did it myself. And obviously Cletus isn't. Is he dead? Is I don't know. Is he on tour with this dance troupe? What, what's he doing? If you made a New Year's resolution just to get on Arena Sportsnet and start listening to the Asylum in 2017, you're not familiar with Cletus, who was for a brief period. Yeah, about an hour and a half, I believe. <laughs> yeah. We had a producer for the show, and we're, we are going video in 2017. Yeah, somehow. Come yeah. hell or high water. If somehow. one of our children has to film it. Right. But. He showed up, what, I don't know, three or four shows. Long enough to get trained. He's probably doing a podcast on a competing network is what I have to it's guess. very right? possible. But he has just disappeared. I've texted him, haven't heard anything. Yeah, for most of December, he at least had the courtesy to tell you to pound it in your can every time right. you called him. Now he just quit returning calls. It was before Thanksgiving. Right before Thanksgiving, I think it was his last. Has it been that long? He may have showed up for one of the slants on a Sunday. Yeah, he came on one in Sunday de- slant. De- yeah, in December. But uh, basically... Yeah, he kept Jersey on hold for like 40 minutes, if I recall, yeah. and took every call after him. As Jersey calls in 10 minutes before we go on the air, our right. best listener, and just Cletus had no parts of it, none. You, nah. you sit there and zip it, but Jersey. But we have no idea what happened to him. Yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully he's all right. I knew he was taking an interpretive dance class. Maybe that worked out for him. He's got this. Maybe he's thing. going to mime school, like he mentioned. He said about going to mine. Yeah, school? I mean, you know, you have to go to school for that. Don't you just shut up? You've got to know the moves. You got to know how to put well, the makeup you, you do, on. You do the box thing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a mime. Ooh, I'm in a box. See, I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> you don't look like a mime. You look like a total moron. Like an idiot waving his arms around. Well, that's what a, mime do? It's the same basic idea. Right. But anyhow, wrap that all back around. Going to drop the tri- top tier quarterback. Here's the thing. We talked about all preseason, and I agreed with it, that there are so many quarterbacks, right? You can find, you know, if you get the 12th quarterback in the uh, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th round, you're going to be just fine. There's so many good quarterbacks. Rick, there was a 130-point drop-off. That's a lot of fantasy points, right? 130-point difference between number one Aaron Rodgers and number six Dak Prescott. That's where the drop-off came, right. was at number six. That, that's high. All right, you're halfway through. Only half the teams have an elite quarterback. And a 130-point spread between one and six is massive, is absolutely massive. Now, I'm not going to tell you 
I don't know what your league construction's like. I think Aaron Rodgers could be had in the third round of if you play with more skilled players, right? But I think that third, fourth round's where I start looking at Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady's situation was different this season. You know, I can't put Roethlisberger in that category because he's going to get hurt and miss a stretch of games. But you got a Tom Brady. I think Matt Ryan's got himself in that conversation now. You got a you got an Aaron Rodgers. Still have Breeze. Drew Breeze. I got to <laughs> assume he's still going to have another year or two at that level. If you have one of those guys, boy, you just plug and play and forget it. And, you know, I know Rodgers had his struggles early in the year and the numbers weren't there. But in the end, he is 130 points better than number six. This is a position I have got to stop taking for granted. And how many times have you and I both, Rick, sitting around in the 13th round saying, well, I better take back-to-back quarterbacks here. Yep. I'll hit on one. I'll be fine. I think them days is over, Rick. They're just over. They are for me until um, something proves – Hey, you go down to number, <clears throat> oh, let's see, there's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. Okay, 12, Ben Roethlisberger in, in our format was the 12th leading scorer. I'll kind of take him out because he, no, he was. He, he only missed one game. Yeah, he only he missed, missed one game. Okay, so yeah, I mean, he counts. He wasn't hurt. I, for some reason, I was thinking he. But was I would hurt never spend game. a high pick on him because the likelihood he's going to miss a stretch of games. But the but the difference. They were both Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger are QB ones, all right. And, and you mentioned the one between you know one and six. One and twelve is one hundred sixty points. That's massive. That is massive. You play a thirteen game schedule. That's over ten points a game. All right, but what else does that tell you, Rick? Now listen to those numbers. I'm glad you did that. And I normally disc- discount anything you do or say. But we had a 130-point stretch between one and this six. This is coming from someone who was trying to be a mime a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> you, you brought it up. <laughs> we had a 130-point stretch between one and six. And based on what you just said, a 30-point spread between six and 12. So you wait till six. You wait till you're taking the six quarterback. Right, exactly. Now you got just a guy. You got the same as everybody else. If you have one to five, you've set yourself apart, right? You have set yourself apart. I can't believe I'm saying this. This goes against everything I've ever believed. But that is stunning. A hundred and thirty point stretch between one and six and a thirty point stretch between six and twelve. That is unbelievable to me. Right. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, it, you better get a top five. Quarterback. Right. You Simple as that. Now you got to identify these top five. Well, that's the, are. that's the thing. Because you look at the top five, I assume we got Rodgers, obviously. We got Matt Ryan. Okay, I'm looking. Aaron Rodgers. Who's our top five? Aaron Rodgers. Uh huh. Matt Ryan. Uh huh. <clears throat> pardon me. Here we go again. Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Andrew Luck, Kirk Cousins. One so, through five. So Cousins and Ryan were, were shocks in that. Six through 12. Prescott, Carr, Brady, throw him in the conversation because he missed four games. Right, exactly. Stafford, Rivers, Bortles, believe it or <laughs> Unbelievable. not. Unbelievable. And it, it, that's the thing. Or Do you want a Blake Bortles? No. That, <laughs> no, that, no. That's the whole thing. I can see Derek Carr moving up. Oh, absolutely. Matt Ryan maybe coming out. I'm not sure. I'm. He's I, hovering there. He's hovering there. As long as Julio Jones is there. But he was there last year. Matt Ryan wasn't, I don't believe, top five. No, he was top ten, I'll bet you. I don't know. Of course Matt they, Ryan gets disrespected. Of course, they didn't have the Sanu. 
Right. You know, they had Roddy White still plowing. The, the back end of Roddy <laughs> right, White. Exactly. Not the good Roddy White. You know, Luck is obviously their cousins, Prescott. Yeah, yeah. You have to identify that top five, maybe even six. But you have to get in that mix. But you have I to think get is what the I resolution agree. is going to be. I agree with you. All right, mine's real easy, Rick. And I said last year, I believe this is my number one resolution. I didn't do it. I am steadfast. Now, I am prioritizing. I am going back to where it all began, Rick, and I'm prioritizing that running back position in 2017. Yeah, that was my number two. This zero yep. RB junk is done. Yep. And here's why. The, there is no, just no difference – Basically, after Antonio Brown and Julio Jones and A.J. Green, these real special guys, there is no difference in my mind on a week-to-week average. Maybe in the end it looks different, but between five or six and 40 of these number 40 wide receiver, they look like whack-a-mole. This one's going to pop up this week. That one's going to pop up this week. That one's going to pop up this week. You know who won championships this year, Rick? Guy who drafted at the end of the first round, drafted – David Johnson with the 11th pick drafted A.J. Green. I think he could get early in the second. Come back around instead of somebody who, oh, I don't know, some <clears throat> dummy who went uh, Allen Robinson, Brandon Marshall, right? So right. if you had a David Johnson, if you had a Le'Veon Bell, if you had a Zeke Elliott who went in the first round, if you had a LeSean McCoy, McCoy who went early in the second, if you had one of those guys, you set yourself apart. I am back to there are so few valuable contribu- contributing running backs in the NFL right now. I'm going to have at least one, Rick, if I don't have two before I ever draft my second wide receiver. I have learned that lesson the hard way. I am back, baby, back to the old school style of fantasy football. I agree. Uh, David Johnson, he got my most valuable player. Between one and two in in our format of scoring, which is PPR, he outscored Zeke Elliott, who was number two in our league, by 80 points. 78, I mean, if you want to get technical, but almost 80 points between one and two. But between two and, let's see, there's two, four, six, eight, ten. Yeah, you go down between Ezekiel Elliott and Jordan Howard, you're talking 100 points, <laughs> which is like another eight or nine backs. I mean, there's you're going to have the fall. Don't get me wrong, but David Johnson was so far and above. You right. can't really. He's really not the mean. No, no. You know, no. he was eighty ahead. But between Elliott and Ingram, you're talking um, less than a hundred points. So yeah, you have. To, I I don't, I agree with you. You have and, to value this top end running. This can't miss running back talent. Right, and even if you went, I don't know. Say at the end of the the first round, like you were talking about, a David Johnson or even, say, um, Zeke Elliott, and you came back and maybe you picked up LeGarrette Blunt or or DeMarco Murray. Right. Bang, bang, one and two. It's over. It's over, Johnny. You're set. Because then you got Jordy Nelson in the fourth round. You got Michael Thomas in the 14th round. These wide receivers are out there. And and it just, that's my priority. I got away from it for two years. I won a title with it two years ago. It buried me in seven or eight leagues this year. And I'm done with it. I'm done. And And for the, except for Peterson, who got injured. Jamal Charles, I never bought into. You know that yeah. from way back. So, I mean, he doesn't count for me. Um, Todd Gurley, 
basically the only other failure yeah. of like a top running back. Yeah, everybody else did or exceeded what we expected them to do. LaShawn McCoy far exceeded my expectations. I don't know what yours were, Rick. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, had expected him to be a top 12 guy, but not right. to be the guy he was, the numbers right. he put now, up. Now, Langford got injured, so he was a disappointment. Um, if you happen to tag him with, of course, Howard was just a free agent. He was right. a surprise player of the year. You know, Frank Gore kept rumbling around over 1,000 yards. LeGarrette Blunt had what, 18 touchdowns. Mark Ingram, slow start that he had, almost 1,400 total yards. Right. I mean, you know, he came around. Melvin Gordon, we talked about him. Devontae Freeman, over 1,000 yards, over 1,500 total yards. DeMarco Murray was great. Yeah, get one of these yeah, guys. Got to have one of these guys. All right, a couple minutes left, Rick. You got another one or you want me to go? I got lots of them because I had terrible <clears throat> seasons. Well, it's kind of lockstep. I want to – this is down under the two, the quarterback and a running back. And and, and you start to get crowded when you start – I don't like to draft by position. I like to draft by player. Right. But I want to get a good, solid, tight end as well. Yeah. I've been waiting too long there. Because these guys, your Delaney Walkers, your – Obviously, Gronk and Greg Olson, where some of these guys are, are going out in a limb a couple, three rounds ahead of you and grabbing these guys. Travis Kelsey, again, I mean, these guys are huge difference makers. Right, right. Especially in a PPR format. Yeah, I've avoided them, been too patient. I've waited too long. I think almost because of my refusal to draft Rob Gronkowski in the first round or early in the second, then I just push aside the tight end position. I agree. That, that, that's gotten just And you know big. why I've done that? I mean, you Because well, you've drafted Jason Witten every year since <laughs> exactly. 1974. So, <laughs> exactly. yeah, them days might be wrapping up, so you're going to have to find a new one. Right? Exactly. You're absolutely correct. I mean, it's because I could get Witten for some odd reason. Whenever he, you wanted him. He never, wanted he never him. was flashy like um, – Gronk or Jimmy Graham, you know, in his heyday with New Orleans and some of these other guys, he was always down there that I could grab when I wanted to get a tight end. Right. I don't think I can do that anymore. No, no. That, them days is over. Yeah. So. All right, real quick. We only got a couple minutes left in this segment. I'm going to throw this one out there. I am going to implore, Rick, every commissioner of every league I play in. <clears throat> to decrease PPR scoring to, at minimum, half a point, if not just eliminate it. And here's why. Here's what I discovered as I sit back and look at it. Full-point PPR scoring, the way the NFL is playing football right now, my friend, has brought all the dummies up equal with the guys who do their homework. It's brought everybody on equal Which is what they want. Right. What I want. Shouldn't be what you want. Here's what I looked at, Rick. There were 22 – the number one wide receiver in fantasy football, as we know, Rick, we talked about earlier in the show, was Jordy Nelson. There were 22 wide receivers within 100 points of him in PPR formats. 22. You mentioned these very numbers. This is funny. You were using them for different purposes, but they're the same numbers. Even throwing out David Johnson. So you mentioned he wasn't – he's not the mean, right? He was so far right, above yeah. 
for this purpose, I threw him out. Even throwing David Johnson out, there were only seven running backs, and you said this earlier, seven running backs within 100 points at number two, Ezekiel Elliott. Right. Only seven. So what's that tell you? Everybody can go out there, go zero RB, right? Load up on all these wide receivers, especially in a league like ours with three wide receivers and a flex. So you're playing four wide receivers in a full point PPR. All it does is bring all the stupids up to my level. I'm way up here, Rick. You know that. I got the belt over there. You can see it. And what you're doing, (laughs) you're taking all the stupids and you're dragging them up to me. Now, that might be good in your office league, right? That's what you want. That's good. But if you're playing real fantasy football, Rick, it's time to either drastically reduce or completely throw out PPR scoring. Well, it's going to be hard to go back. I've gotten used to this too. It's going to be hard. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it, and the thing is, I don't know how you separate yourself anymore, Rick. That's you, what it comes down. You to. have to. If you if if you don't, I mean, you know, the league has to agree with it. You know, either that or it's just me and you playing fantasy football. Those dummies can you zip know. it. They'll show up. They'll get drunk. You know they what I know find interesting though. <clears throat> Do you know how many receivers had 100 or more catches this year? I don't. Four or five? Three. Only three. Three. But there were nine with 90 to 99. Okay. So, I mean, you're talking the top 12 wide receivers. I don't know if that was uh, actually scoring-wise. But, you know, the top 12 had at least 90 balls. And, of course, you know, Devontae Adams, he, he made the top 12 and scoring with only 75 catches, but he had 12 touchdowns. Do you like, I mean, I like the idea of PPR specifically because I don't like just touchdown dependent. I mean. But I like yardage dependent. Yardage. That's what I like. Yeah, yardage. That's where you're There's crit. Here's something else. I don't know if we got time for no, this. No, I'll tell or you not. what, Rick. Why don't we break here? We, we, I got nothing planned for the last segment. It's just going to be a hodgepodge. Let's break here. Let's come back and all right. Because I have another part. idea that's kind of interesting. All but right, it's so. probably out there and crazy. All right. So Rick Briggs is going to go off the rails once again. We won't give it his medicine until after the show. So stick around. We'll be back right after this, exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs here on the Arena Sports Network. Hey, folks, if you missed the old adventure, mystery, or drama radio programs of yesteryear, then tune in to Arena Sports Network Classic Radio. Listen via TuneIn by searching ASN Classic Radio. Take a blast to the past. You old enough to remember any of that stuff? You know what was interesting? when I, I used to build bridges probably 30-some years ago. I was a fairly young man. I mean, it was in the early 80s, something like that. I don't know. But there was a, a local station around here. It was an AM station. Of course, I had an old 77 Nova or something with an AM radio yeah. in it. And I worked till, I think it was 2.30 or 3 in the morning. I forget. That was the shifts that they had because we had, uh, we actually, you know, built, you actually had to build the girders and cross bracing and everything in the factory, then in the yard and make sure everything fit and label it. Cause you get it out and you're trying to put it across yeah. the river, you know, right. you gotta make sure it goes together. <laughs> you gotta be ready. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. 
But on the way home, it was like, like I said, 2 or 2 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. An old AM station right around here in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, played the old, like the Shadow and I don't know, like Fibber McGee and Molly and all these different old radios. They were really cool. I'm just thinking I would like that. You know, Gunsmoke was another yeah. one, which was really good. Because I'm a bit of a radio fan. I love talk radio. And not even the talk radio we do. Uh-huh. You know, sports radio. Right. But some of those, it's sort of a dying art. But for a time, in the late 90s and early 2000s, you sort of a Howard Stern type. But there were all these shows, some more localized, and just guys sitting around talking right. and being guys. You know what I mean? That That's dying because there's just no money to be made in it because you're – you know, you're segmented, segmenting your audience. You know, not everybody's going to listen to that. There's only right. you know, a select few guys like me. I'm thinking that that would have been cool. You know, rather sit, I'll sit down and blindly watch a terrible TV show. If you gave me like a sitcom, I do the air quotes on the radio. I'd love that. You could drive around and listen to something like that. I'll tell you what. You know, it, you know, driving home, it was probably it was a good half hour drive, and you know, you turned it on, and you found yourself like you hear. You know, there's always someone kind of telling the story, like, you know, Rick Flieger came upon the old storefront mm-hmm. and whatever. You know, tried the the door knob. Well, you know, you hear there. You know, you're you're trying <laughs> to get it. You're too, trying yeah. to get in the door with it. He, he couldn't get in the front. He decided to investigate the back. And, you know, you're walking. <laughs> you got down. some dummy sitting in a radio studio hitting a coconut with right. a hammer. That's cool. I like that. But when I'm, I'm sitting there driving, I'm sitting there, and this thing, all of a sudden, I start seeing this in my head. You know what I mean? I see this guy walking down yeah. an alley around. You know, and it's it's really interesting. It's really good. Yeah, I was thinking about that over Christmas when they were showing the Christmas story all the time. And he had to rush home to listen to Lone Ranger, I believe it mm-hmm. was, on the radio. I just thought that'd be kind of cool. I think I'd like that yeah. if they'd bring that back. So I'm gonna check that out on Arena Sports. And this wasn't a paid commercial; it's just something I thought about. Right. I'm gonna check that out in the Arena Sports Net. So before we went to break, Rick, we were talking about New Year's fantasy, New Year's resolutions for fantasy football. And I brought up that I want to see PPR away because it brings the stupids up to my silly level. You know what I mean? Right. I, don't, I don't like that. You know, I'm not better at anybody at most anything in the world, but I'm better than a few in fantasy football. And I don't want them stupids being drug up to my level. And you had a proposal you were getting into right before we went to break. That maybe not eliminating PPR, but something you'd like to see. Well, I, not necessarily. Just something how, I mean, a different um, – I've seen I've seen other leagues do this, where running backs get like half a point of rush. Ugh, I don't like that. I mean, does it does it lend more credence to the running backs in fantasy football? You know, for example, I don't know Isaiah Crowell. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm just trying to think of a back that, you know, that was there game in, game out on a bad team. Yeah, I mean, Corral um, wasn't a good example because yeah, he averaged nine yards a carry and they had to give <laughs> yeah. him the ball six Todd times. Todd Gurley. Gurley would be one. How about Todd yeah. Gurley? Carlos Hyde. Yeah, um, guys like that. Something like that. I, you know, I want to eliminate everything that gives awards points for doing what you're supposed to do, <laughs> right? I mean, a running back's supposed to run the ball. Yeah, I right. guess you can sit around and predict who's going to get the most carries, but by week four, you know exactly 
who that's going to be. You know, the, the the PPR, it just it brings in so many people. Here's, here's the thing with PPR. There is no damn reason in the world Julian Edelman has been a valuable fantasy football commodity for the last six years. It's only because he catches the ball 13 times a game. Most of the times it's 13 catches for 65 yards right, and no touchdowns. Right. It just it brings stupids in. It brings in your six, fifth and sixth tier wide receivers. It makes them nearly, not the equally, but nearly as valuable as these top tier guys. And I think it eliminates having to predict who's going to have successful seasons, who's going to put up yardage, who's going to get in the end zone. I agree with you. I don't I've played touchdown only leagues. That stinks. I've played leagues where touchdowns were so heavily weighted, and I think that stinks. But but just what I think PPR has gotten to the point because of the league. You know, PPR when it began in earnest in fantasy football, what was that, seven, eight years ago, it made sense. You know, it was one more thing to differentiate players. Now every jerk's got seven catches a game. I just I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I had a bad year and I'm looking to bring everybody down to my level <laughs> instead of raising yeah, myself I up. I think that's more what but, it is. But it just feels like, my God, when you've got three receiver positions and a flex and you're giving them a point every time they catch the ball. You know, a guy I always argue for, but I argue for him in the PPR standpoint, is Jarvis Landry. His yardage numbers stink. His touchdown numbers stink. But you can get Jarvis Landry in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And because he catches nine balls a game, he's damn near every bit as valuable as drafting Jordy Nelson in the third round based on value and where you got these guys. I just think this pulls everybody to the middle, which makes sense for your beginner, for, for your stupid office pool. But I think if you're playing serious and you're playing for a lot of money like we do, Rick, I, I think it. I just think it it things I really do yeah I mean okay say you take away um PPR from Jarvis Landry I mean I don't really think that there's and I'm talking with Jordy Elsa I don't think that there's necessarily a huge difference I mean Jarvis Landry had 94 catches Jordy Nelson had 97 you're only talking three points I mean, you know, you points ha- of what difference of what you're taking away. If you, if you wait, run that by me again. You're saying eliminate the the people. You got to look at their yardage, not at their catches. I know, but that, okay. <clears throat> I'm, this is what I'm trying to tell you, though. The difference. I mean, we already have the point spread difference of Jordy Nelson, you know, 319 points to Jarvis Landry's 243 points. Okay. All right. Because he had 14 touchdowns where Jarvis Landry only had four. Jarvis Landry had 1,136 yards. Jordy Nelson had 1,257. That stays constant. That difference is going to be the same. Right. If you take the full point PPR away from both of these guys, Jordy Nelson loses 97 points because he had 97 catches. Okay. Jarvis Landry loses 94 because he had 94 catches. It's only a three-point difference. All right, so the Jordy Nelson example was terrible. You know, maybe, I'll, I'll grant you, you know, that. Mike Evans maybe. Um, Mike Evans had 96 catches. I mean, Julio only had 83 this year. But sort of here's – that's my point, though. In, in, <laughs> when I gave the number, there, there was how many guys – got to dig that back out now. I've been shuffling my papers here. What was it? Twenty-two receivers within a hundred points at number one. I I really think you take that PPR. You know what it does? I don't think I'm articulating this very well. Shocker. What I think this does in terms of having the PPR 
is it allows the stupids, it, it sort of gives you, gives you some margin for error that might not exist otherwise in terms of you, go, you take Gronk in the first round and then you take Aaron Rodgers in the second and you've got no running backs and you've got no receivers and then we get into the eighth, ninth, and tenth round and you draft a, a Danny Woodhead and you draft a Jarvis Landry, all these guys that are hanging around who aren't the top talent, but they sort of bail you out. Maybe I'm making the argument for it that it allows you to, to come up with a different strategy. It just seems to me that it overinflates the it overinflates the scoring and overvalues guys and gives guys who really aren't performing to what their fantasy numbers say. I think it maybe it's sour. I drink. think it inf- I think it inflates the scoring. You're absolutely correct, but I think how it transitions now isn't quite as volatile as it was 10, 15 years ago because it's so much more passing well, league. Well, it could be I mean, everybody's too. got between 80 and 100 catches anymore. Well, <laughs> that's true, too, yeah. Yeah, Cletus is not here. We have the – there we go. Sorry about the Ooh, hum there. We got had a hum come up. This is what happens when you don't have a producer in the in the control room. That's why I'm out of breath. I had to run out of the studio and into the control room. Yeah, and if you've ever seen him run, it's, not it's, pretty. It's, it's it's ugly. But anyway, I think we got rid of that. But I don't know. It, it's it's something. Let us know what you think. I mean, do you, do you play in PPR leagues? Do you play just in, in, in yardage and touchdowns, touchdown only? And, and there's other scoring systems where quarterbacks only get four points for a touchdown. And so forth, you know, for a passing yeah, touchdown. Yeah. I don't know about all that. Like I said, I did one touchdown only league. It stunk. I didn't care for that. No, so. I, don't, I don't care for that at all because you're you're really – I can remember way back I played in a touchdown only league. I had – and I think we mentioned this once before. You remember Robert Edwards? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a running back for the Patriots back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I think he's only around for like a year or so. He blew that knee, almost killed himself in the Pro Bowl. That's right. where we talked about him. He ripped an artery playing in the sand. But we were in this – in fact, a buddy of mine, we co-owned this team. We were kind of rookies. Not really rookies, but, you know, we hadn't been playing a whole lot. Right. Um, he ran for 198 yards. We got three points of him because we had a three-point bonus if you break 100 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah. We got three points for him because he didn't score. <laughs> yeah. Didn't 198 yards. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just, it'll drive you nuts. So, All right, well, we can move off of that something. But, yeah, at Asylum Football on Twitter, let us know what you think. Help me cajole Rick here into, into reducing or eliminating PPR in the Caveman League because that's what this is really all about. I think you just had to bring it up at the uh, summer meeting. But the stupids have more votes than the sillies like us, Rick. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, how do you overcome the stupids? I guess you bring it up after they're drunk. You know, maybe get them here two or three hours before, before we start the draft. Well, and I hey, stay sober this time. That'll never happen. As long as it's at your house, <laughs> yeah, that's you're, a, you're ripe for the pick. That's a problem. It was probably the best and most convenient draft we've ever had, but uh, it doesn't work out well for me. 
when I don't have to drive anywhere, I don't have that governor I have when I got to drive 40 minutes to our usual drafts. But, but we'll, we'll cover that later. Let's move on from fantasy. I've had enough. It's something, I, Rick, I've been itching to talk to you about for two or three weeks, however long we've been off. And I know this is an old story, but I think it's probably still relevant after what happened with Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the story. End of the. It was Steeler John game. Wilkes Booth who killed Abraham Lincoln. Well, not that old. Oh, okay. Story. And I do remember that. All right. I went to the Ford Theater once when I was in D.C. They do tours. It was a pretty cool tour. I mean, there's really not much to see, but the history that happens there is just stunning. And they take you over to the house where, remember, they carried him across the street yeah, and where right. he died. Mm-hmm. It was pretty kind of cool. I mean, they could all been lying to me. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. I mean, we took a <laughs> tour of the Capitol and all, and all that. We got invited to um, oh a lawyer that my wife worked for when we lived in Richmond <clears throat> was um, – big into the civil war and we got invited to some uh you know honoring civil war veterans or whatever at the Mm -hmm. capitol building or whatever and we got to go all through it and everything i mean it was kind of cool to go in like the original senate and they had like uh little plates in the floor where say john adams desk was and stuff like that that was cool yeah it was nice but after what in the world was i talking oh old news but it's sort of – I think it's still relevant because of he's getting questioned again for his coaching ability after leaving Ben Roethlisberger in at the end of that game and Roethlisberger gets injured on the last offensive play is Terry Bradshaw's comments about Mike Tomlin and not being a good coach and being a good cheerleader. And specifically, Rick, I guess, number one, how you feel about that. Because if I remember right, Rick, we were starting to tilt towards maybe Tomlin needs to go when they were in the midst of that four-game losing streak early in the year and sort of venting our frustrations about Mike Tomlin. And then on the other end of it, I don't know if you even remember, Rick, sort of the, I don't want to call it a fight, but the heated discussion you got in with a Rube on Twitter and what his take on on what Terry Bradshaw well, said yeah, about exactly. Mike Tomlin. Yeah, we were leaning not so much really, you know, getting rid of Tomlin, but maybe taking a stronger stance, more of a, I don't, you know, a, a, a harder stance on some of the shenanigans some of these players were getting in right, right with. Right. And yeah, I think it was after the Baltimore game when they had like six or seven penalties in the first half and the first play on the kickoff right. in the second half, they have another, you know, that should just not happen. They should be reamed from one end to the other, you know, at halftime like that. But that being said, what Bradshaw said about him being a cheater, I think that was a lot of the same sentiment. Right. And getting back to the Rube on Twitter, it's a racist thing again. <laughs> and I tried to explain to this very hard-headed – unintelligent rube rube i love rube that's a great <laughs> word rube uh, that bradshaw came up well he went to college in the 60s and he came up under chuck knoll right chuck knoll yeah maybe was a taskmaster i mean which he was they all were back then he's old school that's right. just the way it is it's transitioned out bill cower was a taskmaster, but he was friendlier. Friendlier, he, but he was still. Yeah, he still grabbed. He'd have been fit. a great coach in the seventies. He was a good coach in the nineties. Yeah. He'd have been a great coach in the seventies. But to say because, I mean, it, it, it's a different landscape now. In fact, you know, um, Nick Saban talked about 
you don't approach a college player when he screws up in a game or does something, you know, against team rules, how it affects the team. You approach them how it affects them in their future pro career. Well, this is the millennial thing, you know, where nobody can see past the end of their nose. Well, so that makes sense. That's my point. I hate it, but it makes sense. I know, but that's my point. It's a different landscape now. Right. And to say because Terry Bradshaw was under, you know, who was a Hall of Famer, by the way, and won four Super Bowls, Mr. Rube, was under Chuck Knoll and, and totally old school because he doesn't like the raw, raw, clappity clap. Right. Has nothing to do with black and white. No, no. I mean, look at Jason Garrett, for God's sake. Yeah. They could be down 35 nothing. They kick a field goal and make it 35-3. He's clapping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't need to do that. Get angry once in a while. <laughs> You know, but it has nothing to do with race. No, Rube. and and that that's just ridiculous. It's it, there are certain people. The landscape of this country now, you can't criticize an African American coach or an African American player without race being a factor. So, so whatever, I, I just want to throw that out. So so a couple points on this. Number one, where Terry Bradshaw is right is I don't think Mike Tallman's a great coach. He's a pretty good coach, right? He's right. not a great coach. He's not a great X's and O's guy. He's probably done less with this talent than other coaches would do, even what a, like a Jim Harbaugh would do with this talent. I think he gets ahead of himself a little bit. You know, maybe more of a player coach than I prefer. But whatever, that's his style. And you bring in a Todd Haley, you get the right D coordinator, and sort of he's just a CEO. There's all types of different coaches. So in that respect, I think Terry Bradshaw was right. Now, on the other end, Terry Bradshaw is just an old blowhard, <laughs> right? I mean, you talk about he came up under Chuck Knoll. I watched a, a football life on the NFL network of Chuck Knoll. I don't know if you happened to see that one. If you didn't, Rick, you got to watch it. But 25% of this thing was talking to Terry Bradshaw and about how Terry Bradshaw couldn't stand him. Oh, no. He, he respected couldn't. him. <clears throat> right. But he hated him. Absolutely hated him. Right. And he believed Chuck Knoll hated him but respected him. And they needed each other, but they couldn't stand each other because Terry Bradshaw was a loud mouth show off and Chuck Knoll didn't suffer that type of nonsense, so they didn't get along. No, so and realize who you're talking about here. Right, exactly. He's kind of an old fool. He, he's always, you know, they had that kiss and make up seven or eight years ago at Heinz Field, but there was still there's tension between him and the Steelers organization. Plus, he's old school, and it's kind of like, you know, you talk about the hazing and, and stuff in fraternities. It's... You know, and I think guys like us believe it because, you know, you came up, I assume your parents were a heck of a lot harder on you than mine were. And my parents were a heck of a lot harder on me than parents are at my age of their right. kids today. And, and guys like us and Terry Bradshaw say, well, hell in my day. You know what I mean? And so it drives us nuts that it's any different. That's what this is. To, to equate it to racism, the only thing that you could even make the argument this is racism is the fact that Mike Tomlin's African-American. I mean, so that completely invalidates it. But you know what bothers me more than... Anything like that is you just, I don't know what you're kicking around over there. It's Cletus's fault. Okay, it's Cletus's fault. We're going to blame him. But what really bothers me tremendously is, is in this day and age, if someone <clears throat> says the N-word, okay, or, or anything, some, you know, any other, like, ethnic slur, 
they're a racist, right? I think I'd agree with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. And 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 what is racist? It's it's basically, I mean, boiling it down is a horrible human being. Right. Correct. Right. Okay. So, you know, people don't who aren't racist don't throw these kind of nasty words around, right? Right. Okay. Because a racist is a powerful, horrible label to have thrown on somebody, oh, I agree right? With that right. That's what bothers me. People throw this around yeah, yeah. like I'm calling you a boob. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They just throw it around like it's nothing. Yeah. If somebody and, makes you angry, you throw that at them. Right. And it sticks at them, especially someone in the public eye. It sticks on them forever. Yeah. And found it or not, it is with you forever. Yeah. And and I really wish, because, you know, as much as intolerant I am of real racists, I'm very intolerant of people throwing it around um, just because they criticize somebody. Right. You know, if I said, for example, um, I don't know, Tommy Nakajima is not that great of a golfer because he never won a major tournament. Is does that mean I'm racist against Japanese? In some people's mind, yes. It's ludicrous. <laughs> right, right. You know, that's just a um, an opinion. But that's the world we live in now. Yeah, it, it's 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 just it's strange, and and I just think that. But see, that's the thing. If I said he hasn't won any majors, because obviously because he's Japanese, now that's a racist yeah. comment. <laughs> yeah, now okay? now, it's now you can throw it around, but just to assume because it wasn't a blonde white guy, which is like getting somewhere we don't want to ever want to go. Right. I mean, see, they can, I. This kind of stuff needs to stop. I mean, right. on all sides. Well, there, there is no discourse anymore. Look, if that same person on Twitter had written that what Terry Bradshaw said is stupid and he's an old fool and he needs to shut his mouth. Amen. <laughs> Nobody cares. I wouldn't even stop. Right. Uh, all right. I not I well I do agree, but let's say I didn't agree. Right. All right, I might not agree with that, but that's reasonable discourse, at least in my mind. That might well, be inflammatory well, you can to turn some people. around and say, Oh, you know, it's just an opinion from a guy who right. had a different Who's era. Who's passionate about it. Right. He's passionate, he grew up in a different era, blah, blah, blah. And he can say, No, that's just stupid because, you know, look, Mike Tomlin's won Super Bowl, right. blah, blah, blah. And you could argue that fact. But all of a sudden it's just Oh, he's from Louisiana, so he's a racist. Yeah, boom. Yeah. You, you can't argue that, because I saw you try to have that discussion, and the response was always, no, it's ra- he's racist. Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Right. right. Yeah, well, what do you say? And I saw you try to say, no, what I'm saying here is, is he had this opinion, all the things you said here, just here on the show, no, no, he's racist. Yeah, He's no. from Louisiana. Mike Tomlin's an African-American. That's a racist comment. Right. To say that. Now, and I find my, found Mike Tomlin's comments interesting i think this may be fair is that saying he was the cheerleader type i forget the exact quote i had it here but i prepped this a couple weeks ago and i don't have it anymore went outside the bounds of criticism and went to personal or something 
was Mike Tomlin leaning now? I, I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that might be as far as you can take it to say that's not fair criticism. You can criticize my coaching style. You can criticize my play calling. You can criticize whatever. But but to criticize this, to say that this is all I am, that that's out of bounds. That's out of the bounds of critical commentary. I might have well, been what he said. But I think that's where it ends. That next leap to racist. Yeah. Is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I can see Tomlin maybe taking a little personal saying, you know, he's nothing more than a, than a cheerleader. Well, you know, the guy was defensive player, defensive right. know, coaches and so forth. He's worked up through the ranks. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. Hey, you don't take that lightly, period. Right, exactly. Simple as that. Look at Marv Levy and Bud Grant. They'd love to have one win. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah, so, I mean, I could see him reacting you know, maybe sparking a little ire because, hey, look, pal, you know, I don't see you out here coaching. Right. That's another. Yeah. That's you another. know so damn much you come to it. Exactly. You're over on Fox, you know, throwing spitballs at Howie Long and yucking it up. You can just zip it, old hey. man. <laughs> I mean, I wish he'd done that. I, that I'd like. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. Well, that's just us. We're crude. I mean, we're older school. We're, we're right. cruder, you know. But, yeah, I can see that. But, yeah, this other nonsense, I just – because he has a, a an opinion, even if it's an antiquated opinion, whether he's right, wrong, right, doesn't matter. I mean, I mean could there be race rooted in? It? I highly, highly, highly doubt it. No, you know, I'm not even going to allow for it. No, it, it just wasn't. There's just no way. He he didn't like his coaching style. Right. That's all. I mean, it is. he should probably shut up. And I'd be all for Mike Tomlin and this rube on Twitter saying Bradshaw, shut up. Zip it, old man. That I'm good with. Like I said, I just yeah. keep scrolling. I just go keep talk, scrolling. You know, go talk about shingles some but more. But, boy, you know? throw that out there. Come on. It's just like I, yeah. All right, I don't know how much time we have, Rick. i got to go peek. But real quick, NFL. We gave our fantasy MVP, NFL MVP. Hotly debated. Hotly debated <sighs> this year. Woo, boy, I'll tell you what. It, it, you know, if, if you're just talking – I, I don't know if you're just talking regular season because I hate to throw playoffs into into this no, kind they, of thing. They quite vote. Frankly. They vote before the playoffs. It's his regular season MVP, and we got like a minute and a half left. Tom Brady. See, uh, the, no, I know you what. I'm, might, I'm, I'm retracting. I am retracting. Aaron Rodgers. It's probably Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I wanted to give it to Matt Ryan. And, and most experts agree that's a stupid opinion. It's got to be Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I got to throw Tom Brady out. Most valuable to me means what's the team going to be without you? Right. Now, every quarterback you can make that argument for. And I'm not saying you know, this isn't to d- diminish what Tom Brady's done or is doing. They went 3-1 and without him. They won a game with Jacoby Brissett against the very team they're playing in a playoffs this weekend. Right, Aaron Rodgers, that you got to give it to him because he put that team on his back with no running game, no defense, and the receivers banged up all the time and won that game. But Tom Brady, I'm sorry, he played 12 games. They were a great 12 games. But this isn't a fantasy football MVP. This isn't about statistics. This is about what a man does for his team. And I'll tell you Aaron what. Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> put that entire team on his back. No defense, no running game. Receivers always banged up. No tight end until three weeks ago. This was all Aaron Rodgers. They shouldn't call it the Green Bay Packers. This is Aaron Rodgers taking on the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. I'll tell you what, and, and there's two other guys, and I think that's the only reason why they don't get it is Zeke and, and Dak Prescott. I mean, you got a rookie quarterback getting getting this thrown at him. Tony Romo's done. Yeah. You come in thinking you're probably going to be backing up Romo for a year or two. Yeah. And all of a, a sudden – round pick. He was a throwaway. Right. 
But Ezekiel Elliott's 1,600 and some yards rushing kind of takes away from what Prescott did and vice versa. Neither one would be what they were without the other, so you sort of split the vote So I'll give it to Rodgers. All right, I wish I'd left more time with that, but we are out of time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Asylum in the Arena Sports Network. Check us out, Asylum Fantasy Sports. Yeah, get Johnny Reed Foley on here. Yeah, i got to get that downloaded. Yeah. I believe he is on iTunes now, so check that out. At Asylum Football on Twitter, AsylumFantasySports.com. We'll be back next week, 8 o'clock Eastern, right, or, yes, 8 o'clock Eastern right here on the Arena Sports Network, ArenaSportsNet.com. Until then, we'll see you. Take care. Very smooth transition there. We had a wire not connected. Got the Cletus. Thanks a lot, Cletus. He won't answer. That's us. I got a dirty mind to gut a mouth for making time. I'm going out with your wife. Cause I'm alone.